Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Man, I love this church. I love this place. Love you people. Uh, you know, we just finished a sermon series called Go and Tell, and we've been encouraged to go out and have gospel conversations with family and friends, neighbors and coworkers, even strangers, uh, encouraging them not only to come to Christ, but also to grow in Christ. Because salvation is not the goal of the Christian life. Salvation is the start of the Christian life. Once you become a believer, that's when your journey of spiritual growth uh, truly begins. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. On the screen, on your notes. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. Say the next phrase with me. A new life has begun. Yes, circle that word, begun. Coming to Christ is turning on to the right road, and then the Christian life is walking on that road. And we're headed into a season of spiritual growth here at Rockbrook. The fall from now to the end of the year is a significant season of spiritual growth. Uh, We're starting a new small group semester. Sign-ups are happening right now. Next week, we're going to launch a sermon series called Not So Far-Fetched, and that's actually a series that's designed for you to bring your unbelieving, even skeptical friends to. But we're moving into a season of, of spiritual growth. And as we move into that season, I just want to give you a warning. I I want to warn you that you will face some predictable resistance. We have a Savior in Jesus Christ. We also have an enemy in the devil. And just as Christ wants you to grow during this season, the devil wants to stunt your growth. Jesus bluntly said, he said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came that we might have a new, full, abundant life right here on earth. Yes, we get eternal life and the hope of heaven when we die, but Jesus also offers us a full, abundant life right here, right now. And at Rockbrook, we're not just concerned about getting you into heaven. We want you to live that new, full, abundant life that Christ offers us. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to enjoy all that Christ offers you. But you need to know that the devil is working overtime to keep you from experiencing that new, full, productive, abundant life. The devil does everything he can to keep you from trusting in Christ, to keep you out of heaven. But once you've trusted in Christ, that part of the battle is over. But the war still rages. Because now the battle shifts to the devil trying to keep you from living that life that Jesus Christ wants you to live. You know, if the the, the devil can't keep you from trusting Christ, his next strategy is to keep you from living for Christ. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. So you need to be prepared We move into this season of growth that the thief is going to try to steal my identity with shame. See, what the devil does is he lures us into sin by telling us how great it will be, and then once we succumb to it, he heaps shame on us because of what we've done. 
And the devil tries to get you to focus on the shame of your past. If he can get you to find your identity in the sins of your past, he can freeze you in that sin. The devil tries to freeze you in the sins of your past. Jesus Christ frees you from the sins of your past. The devil says, look at your sin. God says, look at the sun and see the new creation that you can be in Jesus Christ. And so our spiritual growth is rooted in our new identity in Christ, not in our issues from the past. Second thing the devil tries to do is he tries to kill my potential with guilt. And too many of us live with guilt about our past. We've all done things we wish we hadn't done. We've all done things we wish we could do over. We all have regrets. And the devil loves to drag those old offenses out and just rub our face in them. But Jesus Christ died for those sins. He has removed our guilt. When we trust in him, our, our guilt is wiped out. It, it, we're forgiven. It's forgotten. You know, the devil's all about your past. Jesus Christ is all about your potential. And it's essential for our spiritual growth that we get our eyes off our past, focus on our potential in Christ. Because you're not going to find that new, full, abundant life that Christ offers you looking in the rearview mirror. It's not behind you, it lies ahead. And so you've got to address, confess those old sins, those hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Let Jesus Christ forgive them, then forget them and move forward in the potential that you have in Jesus Christ. Third predictable resistance is when the devil tries to destroy my hope with fear. We all struggle with fear at some level. There's the fear of the future, there's the fear of failure, the fear of change, the fear of dying. There's even the fear of man. The Bible says the fear of man is a trap. You know, when we start trying to live our life in order to please everybody else, it can negatively affect the things we do, the things we say, even the things we wear, the things we buy. It's a trap. And in this day and age, social media just fuels the fear of missing out. You're missing out on the fun. You're missing out on the conversation. You're missing out on the opportunity. And that's a fear that drives us to make bad decisions to be included. But God doesn't want us to live lives of fear. God wants us to live lives of hope. And God offers us the hope of heaven. He offers us hope for our life right here and now. And so this season, you've got to remember that God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. And there's no bad in God and there's no good in the devil. And God loves you unconditionally and God has a wonderful plan for your life. Don't let the shame, guilt, and fear rob you of your opportunity to grow this fall. Instead, take your next step of spiritual growth. Replace shame, guilt, and fear with your identity in Christ, with your potential in Christ, with your hope in Christ. And if you do that, this fall will be a great season of growth for you. So I want to talk to you today about taking next steps. And no, this is not a lesson on clogging. That's funnier than, than, than you guys realize. <laughs> Taking next steps. How do we do that? Ephesians 4. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Underline that phrase. Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Underline that phrase. 
created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We put off the old self and we put on the new self. That's what these next steps are all about. You put off the old, put on the new. Now, I want you to understand something. Uh, this is not just about you. You don't just need to know this stuff for yourself. If, if you sit here and you're taking notes and you just start ticking off boxes, yep, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. A couple of weeks ago, Ryland shared uh, with us this concept of gospel conversations with the people in our lives. And he introduced us uh, to a great concept. Uh, I, I love this chart. And, and he says, you know, you start out with people who are far from God, and then you have gospel conversations that move them to the cross and to salvation in Christ. But it doesn't stop there. You continue to have gospel conversations with people until you move them to where they are fulfilling <clears throat> God's purpose for their life. A gospel conversation is any time you encourage someone to take one step from where they are to where God wants them to be. You know, it's not just about salvation. There's so much more for this. And so as you listen to these next steps, yes, I want you to evaluate yourself. Have I taken this step? What's the next step I need to take? But there's far more power, far more potential for you here than that. Because I want you to ask, can I explain these next steps to someone else? Can I encourage someone else to take their next step? Can I have a gospel conversation with my kids to help move them along in their spiritual journey? Can I have a gospel conversation with a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, even a stranger to nudge them along in their journey to becoming all that God wants them to be? But you can't move yourself along, you can't move anybody else along if you don't understand what the next steps are. But once you understand this roadmap to spiritual growth, then not only can you apply it to your own life, but you now have a pathway that you can encourage other people to follow. And you start doing that, I'm going to tell you, that's when you unlock the power, the purpose, the passion, the potential that God has for you. That's when you begin to live out that new abundant life that Jesus Christ offers you. We think this is an individual journey. We think it's something private and personal. That is the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that we're in this thing together. We are a family. We're a flock. We're a body. We're a building. We are an army of God that is fighting this battle together. We're not in this alone. We're in it together. And we are better together. So ask yourself, do I need to take this next step? But don't stop there. Ask yourself, how do I help someone else take their next step? You start doing that, and this next season will be a tremendous season of growth for you. So what's the first step after salvation? Number one, you want to declare God's salvation. You know, people buy into the idea that my relationship with Jesus Christ is personal and private. Yet the first act of obedience that Jesus calls a believer to do is a very public event, your baptism. You ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Yes, that's a very personal decision. And then Jesus immediately commands you to go public with that decision. Your faith in Christ is personal, but it is not supposed to be private. 
The devil wants you to go all internal with it. You know, don't let anybody know about it. It's private. It's just between you and Jesus. Keep that decision to yourself. Hide that light under a bushel. That's what the devil says. Jesus Christ says, no, let your light shine before men. I believe one of the reasons why people get confused, one of the reasons why people struggle with this issue of baptism is because it is a spiritual battle. There is tremendous power in stepping forward and and, and making a public declaration of our faith in Christ through baptism. Peter says this, he says, in baptism we show, circle those two words, we show. Baptism is a show. It's a demonstration. It's It's obvious evidence that we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. Not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, but because in being baptized we are turning to God and asking Him to cleanse our hearts from sin. Baptism. Jesus said, do it. I ought to let the mic drop right there. Why do I need to say anything else? Okay? Jesus commanded us to do it. He not only commanded us to do it, but he modeled it for us, but he did it himself. It's interesting in the Bible that baptism was immediate. You trusted in Christ, you got baptized. You trusted in Christ, people started gathering water. Okay? You didn't wait weeks, months, years before you got baptized. You believed, you got baptized. Yet so many believers have believed for years and years and have not gotten baptized. If that's you, it's time to take your next step. You don't have to wait till you've stopped all your sin. You don't have to wait till your life is exemplary. You don't have to wait until you understand everything. In the Bible, if you trusted Christ, boom, you got in the water. You got baptized. And you can sign up today. You can take that next step today and sign up to be baptized on September 15th and 16th. And you can encourage other people to take their next step. Just sign up on the communication card. You know, this fall, sometime, we're going to baptize our 1,000th person at Rockbrook. Yeah, how cool is that? I think it'd be cool if we could do it September 15th and 16th and just get that out of the way. Okay? So if you need to be baptized, sign up. Take your next step. Uh, Number two, for many of us, the next step is to cultivate God's presence. And I love that word cultivate. It's a farming term. It means to stimulate growth. And you have to, you you got to disturb the status quo of the soil. You got to break up the soil, fertilize it, water it, mulch it, weed it, feed it. You, You got to do things in order to make it grow. And there are things in your life that you need to weed out. James 4 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's a promise for you, that if you will cultivate God's presence in your life, God will show up. Now, how do we cultivate God's presence in our life? Three ways. God's word, worship, and prayer. I've got a video clip I want you to watch that will demonstrate to you the power, the tremendous power of God's word, worship, and prayer. Let's watch this. We arrived uh, after a five-hour trip at this very small house. This old man meets us at the door, and, and if I had to guess his age, I'd say 
hundred. And as I started to interview him, I found out he was 63 years of age. So he said, Nick, come in, come in and, and, and sit here, uh, sit at this chair. This is the spot where I was standing teaching the Bible when I was arrested and sent to prison for 17 years. You know, I've been in Africa for, for, for two decades and I don't want to sit in that chair, you know. I, I, I want to sit somewhere else. And he makes me sit right here. And, and he, he begins to tell the story of being an engineer and his wife a school teacher and uh, how his kids were in the government school and uh, he was in the government factory and, and how over a period of time uh, pastors were compromised and churches were closed. And so one day in fear and trembling, this brother, whom I'm now listening to his story, uh, uh, said to his wife, uh, now, now, now don't get angry at me. Uh, don't, uh, don't, think, don't, don't think I'm stupid. Uh, just, uh, just be patient with me. But our boys are growing up with no uh, religious training. I'm not a pastor. Uh, this is not a church. But what would you think if, my, if I would just once or twice a week get the boys together and read the Bible to them? Now, his wife had been praying for years that he would step up and be a spiritual leader. It's like they say in Africa, uh, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck, and she can make that head go anywhere she wants to. And so he starts reading the Bible to his kids, and he does a terrible job. But as time goes on, they begin to learn the stories and tell the stories to each other and interact with the stories. And, and the neighbors got to watching this. And they came to this man of God and said, uh, can, can we, can we uh, come and study the Bible? And he said, whoa, no, 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 I, I'm not a pastor. I've had no training. Uh, this is not a church building. He says, we're just singing and praying and uh, talking about the word. And he said, well, that's all we want to do. So when the little house group grew to be 75 people, the KGB just could not allow that. So they came the next worship service and arrested the man of God from the spot where I'm now sitting doing the interview. And they took him a thousand miles north and put him in a prison of 1,500 hardened criminals, and he's the only believer. story I just I just can't help but blurt out uh, how did you stand it how how did you survive it what well, what did you do and he said for all of those 17 years in prison he said every morning when the Sun was coming up I would stand beside my bed at attention I would raise my arms in praise and I would face the East and I would sing my heart song to Jesus can you picture what the rest of the prisoners would do when the man of God began doing that?
They're throwing old food, they're throwing human waste, and there stands your brother with his hands up, uh, praising Jesus, singing his heart song. And he said to me, Nick, whenever I could find a, a scrap piece of paper, charcoal piece of pencil, I would rush back uh, to my cage, to my cell, and I would write, every Bible verse or any Bible story that I could remember. I would take that scriptural offering and I would stick it as high as I could on one of those concrete pillars. But when the guards would see it and when they would read the content, they would tear it to shreds and beat me uh, for writing out those Bible verses. And this was very common in many places in the former Soviet Union. The day came when they decided to break him. And they brought a, a criminal woman that was much the size and shape of his wife and dressed this criminal lady in his wife's clothes and they drag her by the cell with her face turned away and take her down to a, a torture facility. And he listens for three days and three nights as they abuse her, torture her, and kill her. And then they carry her body out, wrapped in a blanket, with him thinking, this is his wife. And they look at him and say, you're next. And he says to God, what I had said to God in Somalia, this is too much. And he sat on the side of the bed, gave up, called to his guards, and said to them, you win. All they wanted him to sign was a document that said he was not a follower of Jesus, and he was being paid by Western governments to overthrow the USSR. He signs that, he's free to go. He said, go write your document. I'll sign anything you want. And he sat on the side of the bed in just despair of soul. The next morning, the guards came with a confession, and his back is straight, his shoulders are square, there's fire in his eyes, and he says, I'm signing nothing. And they said, what happened to you? He said, the Holy Spirit of God allowed me to hear the voices of my wife my kids and my brother, as they prayed for me, I not only know that my wife is physically okay, but I know that she's spiritually still walking with the Lord. And he looked at his guards and he said, get out of my jail cell. 
Пошли вон, не буду. He said, Nick, two weeks later, out on the exercise yard was a whole piece of paper, and laying next to it was a pencil, and I knew the Holy Spirit had placed it there for me. I ran back to my cell and wrote every Bible verse every spiritual biblical song, every Bible story I could remember, as tiny as I could. He said, I, I took it and I reached as high as I could, as high as I could on that wet concrete pillar to give God the greatest scriptural offering that I could give him. He said, it didn't take long till the guards saw that. And when they looked on the both sides of that paper and read what I've done, they ripped it in shreds and they began to beat our brother without mercy. And they said, look out that window. You see those posts out there? In 10 minutes, you will be tied to that post. In 15 minutes, you will be dead. And they grabbed him by the front of the shirt and began to drag him out of his jail cell. As they got to the door, the gate of the prison, I can still picture it. 1,500 hardened criminals stood beside their bed, stood at attention, and 3,000 hands, arms were raised in praise to God as they faced the East and they sang that heart song to God that they heard the man of God sing all those years. Can you imagine what that choir to God sounded like? And the guards let go of our brother as if they were with sheer terror. And they looked at him and they said, who are you? And he said, I am the son of the living God, and his name is Jesus the Christ. I've got a doctrine. What can I teach this man about the kingdom of God? Yeah, yeah. God's word, worship, and prayer will cultivate God's presence in your life. Whether you're in a Soviet prison facing death, you know that guy didn't die, he got to go home and be with his family. But what struggle are you facing? What prison do you find yourself in? Look, look what Peter says in Acts 2.28. He says, you have made known to me the paths of life. That's the pathway of discipleship. God's word, worship, and prayer. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Joy isn't found in your circumstances. 
Joy is found in the presence of God in spite of your circumstances. We need to take that next step. Third step we need to take is to connect with God's people. You are a member of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other believer. If you as a believer is going to grow spiritually, if you're going to survive spiritually, you need to be the member of a local church. In fact, in the, in the New Testament, there are 58 commands that you can't fulfill if you're not connected to a local church. 58 commands. So if you're not connected, that's 58 instances of disobedience. Do you think that's going to affect the power of God in your life? And if you take that step, it's 58 instances of obedience. Do you think that'll affect the power of God in your life? Yes, it will. And the way to become a member at Rockbrook is to take step one of Growth Track. And we're offering that this afternoon at 1.30. Uh, child care is provided. It's an hour and 15 minutes long. At the end, there's cheesecake. Okay? <laughs> and if you come to that class, Pastor Ryland will lay out the five purposes that God has for your life. He'll explain how being a member of Rockbrook will help you fulfill your purpose. He'll explain salvation and baptism. He'll walk you through our membership covenant, and he'll put you on a pathway of spiritual growth for your life. Because the world promotes independence and self-reliance, but God promotes community, fellowship, and belonging. Because God knows that growth and health are found in relationships. That's why he created the church, the body of Christ, and that's why he wants you to be a part of it. That's why you need to belong to a small group. Small group signups are going on right now. It's, it's the right time to get into a small group so you can grow. Now, too many Christians are, are chasing information. They want more knowledge, but they don't need more information. They need transformation. And transformation comes through relationships. Hebrews 10 lays it right out for us. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. All the people tell me, oh, I don't need a small group, I've got my family. They, they think that their family is going to take the place of their small group. But you need to understand, there are some things that are bigger than family. There are some things you'll face in life where your family's not enough. You need a body. You need the body, the family of God, the body of Christ. And I got a strong family. I got a big family. And every one of my family members is in a small group, even the kids. In fact, most of my family lead a small group. We're a strong family, but we know we need our small groups in order to grow and in order to stay healthy. And so I want to encourage you. Join a local church. Commit to small groups. Next step, number four, is discover God's purpose. It is in Christ, in Christ, that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious things. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. If you're going to grow to be all that God wants you to be, you've got to pursue with passion the purpose that God has for you. 
And that's, honestly, that's what this whole growth track thing is about. Step one is membership, getting you connected with Christ through salvation, declaring Christ through baptism, connecting with the body of Christ uh, through membership. And then step two helps you develop the essential habits of the Christian life. The habit of getting into God's word every day, worshiping God every day, praying to God every day. Because a disciple needs to practice the disciplines that Christ lays out for us to follow. And then step three helps you discover your design, your personality, your spiritual gifts, and your passion for ministry. Because God has shaped you for your place in this church. You were made for this. And you need to discover your design and purpose. And then step four of Growth Track is where we get you plugged into a dream team. And the dream teamers are, are the people that make ministry happen at Rockbrook. Our dream team is the engine that drives this church. And I can just tell you from my own observation that it's also where the fun is. You know, I see these dream teams doing stuff, I, whether it's setting up or cleaning or greeting or small groups or whatever they're doing. There's a lot of laughter a lot of life. There is joy in serving together. And so I'd encourage you, take the four steps of growth track and join the dream team. You know, what's the next step for you? But even beyond that, which step can you encourage someone else to take? Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and everything to live for including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. The key to my spiritual growth is to take my next step and take it now. Let's pray together. God, you've laid out a pathway of purpose and joy for us to follow. God, help each one of us to take our next step right now. And God, open up our eyes to the people in our life that need that gospel conversation, whether it's to move them one step closer to the cross and salvation, or it's to move them one step closer to finding and fulfilling their purpose. God, help us to speak those words of life to them. And maybe you're here today and you've realized that you've never trusted in Christ to save you. You can take that step right now. Just call out to him and ask him to save you and forgive you. Just say, Jesus, I, I want to give my life to you. I want the forgiveness that you offer for my sins, and I want the new, eternal, abundant life that you offer to those who follow you. God, thank you for this season of spiritual growth before us. And help each of us to make the most of it. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.